0: This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com hey, Good evening. Thank you very much. First of all, to uh, David Solomon for once again arranging such a beautiful thing, figuring out a way to uh, nourish the body and thereby allowing the soul and the shaman to get nourished as well. But it looks of everyone hopefully the the should be as good as the chant. There's a fellow once who came to shul <clears throat> he was doing a big business deal and he had a problem, he was short on cash so he comes to Shul in the, middle of the day, it's quiet he sits down in the front row and he starts to daven, starting to explain to Rabbi Yishlam he needs three million dollars to close his deal, if he doesn't get it by today the deal is gone and he's davening and davening to Hashem and all of a sudden the door opens up a fellow walks inside he walks to the front, he sits down in the row right behind this guy and he starts davening to Hashem the guy in the front's getting all disturbed who comes into the show in the middle of the afternoon and he hears the guy in the back saying Hashem please I have to pay my rent today I need a hundred dollars to be able to finish paying my rent please help me out, they're going to kick me out of the apartment the guy in the front gets so frustrated he stands up, whips out a hundred dollars he gives it to him and says here, take your hundred dollars now go, the guy so excited he goes thank you so much, thank you so much and he leaves, the guy sits down and says okay Hashem now that I have your undivided attention, where were we? We laugh at that, but we think that when we think of that, of course, the Kosh always has our undivided attention. The question is if we have his. Or the other way around, actually. We always have a Baruchu's attention. The question is if he has ours. This week, Parashat B'Shalach, Shavashira, there's a lot going on. We see the Yidden leave, Mitzrayim, and they cross to the Amstuf. So there's a few things I'd like to point out. few different questions, and while each of these questions on their own, have beautiful truth to them, perhaps we can bring out one theme that will answer all these questions the Parsha tells us the Yiddin are leaving Mitzrayim, and they're going towards Eretz Yisrael all of a sudden they're out for a few days, and someone says, watch, look behind us they turn around, they see the Mitzrayim are chasing them they want to run, they can't run forward, the Yamsef is there, the right and left, they're wild animals. They don't know what to do, they're stuck. And you can imagine the distress that they're in. It's one thing to be a prisoner, it's another thing to escape, and then to have your jailer run after you. It must have been very, very frightening. Why did Karz do that to them? If Kleistel needed to suffer for whatever reason, they needed to suffer a little more, why didn't Karz lead them in the triumph a little longer? And if they couldn't stay with sham a little longer, why didn't Hashem make it that it got worse before the Ten Makkah started? Why take them out, tease them, take them out, you're free? And then all of a sudden they're caught again. Why did Kash Baruch do that? It doesn't seem to be the nicest thing to do. So they daven to Hashem. And as they start to the daven, what happens? As soon as they start to the daven, Hashem says, What are you davening for? Matiz you can go straight into the yamzuf. So they're supposed to daven. They're not supposed to daven. And interesting, the pasuk tells us matitzakolay V'itsaku, when they cried out. So Rashi says, "Was tavsu They took the craft of their forefathers. And Rashi explains Avram Yitzhak and Yaakov how they daven. Why does Rashi speak in such a roundabout way? Why couldn't Rashi just say vayispalu and they daven? what does it mean by they cried out it doesn't mean they cried out in complaint instead Rashi says they took the craft of their fathers this is not the first time is another Kasha the Svarim tells us the purpose of Kriyus Yamsu was to introduce Hashem to the world to Klay Yisrael to show his might now the 10 Makhis were pretty uh, a good explain of that also what happened to the Ten Makkas, that you needed Kriyus Yom in additionally. What was lacking with the Ten Makkas that only Kriyus Yom could bring out? And the last question is, the Rabban explains, the Yitzis triumph was so great, the manifestation of a Kaddish Baruch presence in the world was so great that we always have to remember that. And that's why we have it with our Tefillin in our Mezuzis and Shema, Shabbos, Kiddush. We're always saying Zech Yitzis if it's so important to remember that Hashem controls the world, why doesn't Qaysh Baruch Hu come and make more nisim? It's so difficult. Every few years, every uh, thousand years at least, every 500 years, Hashem should make a big nice. And we definitely won't forget the Qaysh Baruch Hu. Why does Kaj Baruch Hu make one big nis? And it's so important to always remember that. So, to begin, when we see the first question we had, the Qaysh Baruch is leaving with triumph. And the first thing they notice, the Mitzrayim are chasing them, and they're so frightened, and they start to dive into Hashem. So it's interesting, the Pesach tells us, Perek Yidal Pesach Upari Hikriv, Approached. Rashi right away points out, that's really not the right Lashon. Hayulay Luchtev Upari and Upari Came Close. Pare Hikriv means empare Caused to Approach. Why does it say why is it supposed to say Upare Hikriv instead of, as Rashi points out, upari Karav? So Rashi explains Mao Hikriv, Hikriv Atsmoy. He brought himself closer, and his army's kadim, leftn name. Shisnaimaim. Pare promised the people of Metrayim, let's go fight the Jews, and I myself will go in front. That's what means Pari brought himself to the front of the army to fight the Yidden. That's how Rashi answers. There's a very interesting medrash in Shemai's Rabbah. And Chof Aleph Hay explains as follows. Pari means, and Pari caused to come close, referring to Klai Yisrael. Pari caused Klai Yisrael to come close to the Bani <coughs> How did he cause the Eden to come closer to the Bani Shalim? So it brings an interesting matter. She says, there once was a king, and the king was out with his men, he was hunting. And all of a sudden he hears this lady screaming, she's being attacked. So he sends his men to go save her. The king's men come, they see these men attacking this lady, they kill the men, and they save the lady. The lady was so thankful to the men, she starts thanking them, and they say, don't thank us, we were sent here by the king. She says, oh, let me go thank the king. They bring her to the king, she starts to thank the king, they get into a nice conversation, the king is enamored by her, vice over for supper, before you know it, they get married. Life's wonderful, he's a king, she has a queen, the queen is always by his side. And after a few months, he starts to realize he's making all these parties, and his wife is not showing up anymore. So he asks his advisor, well, where, where, where is she? And they check. It turns out she's enjoying being queen. She's making her own parties. So the king doesn't know what to do. He asks his advisors what to do. Evidently, those days, people couldn't think. They had to have advisors for everything. And he gave him a great idea. He liked the idea so much, he implemented the idea. And a few days later, he goes out hunting. And the, his wife is out also, and sure enough, he arranges some woes, and he attacks the queen. The king happens to be nearby. The king's men go and they save the queen once again. Of course, the whole thing was staged, but the queen didn't know that. And now she goes running to the king, thanking the king once again for saving her life. And this time, she realizes now, with the second reminder, that she's only here because of the king saved her, and therefore she should remain loyal to the king. So the a medrash, that's the same thing that happened over here. Klai in Mitzrayim. They're davening and davening to Hashem. Hashem is enjoying the relationship he has with Klai Israel. Klai turning to Hashem for everything. They want to leave Mitzrayim, Hashem takes them out of Mitzrayim. They leave Mitzrayim, Hashem is expecting this beautiful relationship. One day passes, He doesn't hear from them. A second day passes, He doesn't hear from them. A third day, a fourth day. A whole week passes, He doesn't hear from the Yidden. So Hashem sends them a reminder. The Mitzrayim start chasing them. What does Kalayish So do? As soon as they see the Mitzrayim, they start diving to Hashem. Hashem says, oh, Gavaldik, we have a relationship back, you're diving to me. No problem. You can go straight into and cross the Yomstaff now. There's no need anymore to dive and to cry out to me because we already renewed our relationship. On this, the Mir Mashgir said as following, "He says, Ruhim people think... That they're sick So therefore they should daven Or they need parnasa, And therefore they should daven They want children, therefore they should daven They want a Shiddh, therefore they should daven So that's not the way it works It's the other way around Kaddish Baruch Hu wants our relationship with us And if we have a good relationship with the Kaddish Baruch Hu, There's no need for all this But sometimes we slack off Sometimes we have the opportunity for a better relationship So Kaddish Baruch Hu sends us reminders He'll send a person what looks like a tsarah they will send a person a need for money, or an issue with his children, or a difficult time with a shidduch. And this way the person will daven to Hashem. But it says Yebbi that's not the way it is. If a person has a relationship with the Kaddish Baruch Hu, there's no need for Hashem to send these reminders. In fact, the Gemara says, a person should always daven for his health before he gets sick. Once he gets sick, it's already a whole big job to get out of being sick. But if a person davens not to get sick, if a person has a relation with the Rabbi Nishayim, there's no need for Kodesh to send those reminders. And Rav Matal explained it as follows: He says, "You whip a horse. What happens when you whip a horse? The horse starts running. Why is the horse running? The horse should throw you off. You whip it again. He runs even faster. He said Rav Matla Slanumer, the horse is running because the horse is trying to run away from the whip. Doesn't have you hit it? He's running. You hit it again. He's running. He's trying to run away from the whip. He says we shouldn't be like a horse." If we get something on our back We're not supposed to be running away We have to understand who's whipping us And what the purpose is Our purpose is not to be a horse Our purpose is to go and to create a relationship With Yerba Yashleil Because a relationship is only as strong As the weaker side wants it And a kashbor who wants Relationship very very much So from our side If we want, it's, not, it's limitless Because a kashbor who wants it so much It matters on what we do on our side and with this we can understand the other Rashi that we said, why Rashi says, "For Yitzhaku, talks to Umnas of He grabbed the craft of their fathers, instead of just saying that they davened. Because of course Klai's so will daven, as we'll see soon, Klai's so will daven plenty of Mitzrayim. But this was another aspect of Tefillah that they now understood. What was that aspect? What was the, what was the, the umnas of So the morning Niyavamis tells us, in Psalm of Balaram and Aleph, Interesting Gemara. B'pnei ma hayu aviseinu akarim. Why were our fathers akarim? Our mothers were akaris. They couldn't have children so many years. They daven and they daven. Why was that? Why does Hashem do that? Gemara says B'pnei shakaris baruch mizav le'tfilas neshal tzadikim. Hakaris baruch who desires the tefilas of tzadikim. Uh, it's difficult to understand. Because more desires the, 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 the fields of tzaddikim and he's close to tzaddikim, he should give them whatever they want. Why do you withhold from them? Can you imagine you're, you're, you're standing outside the street by a bus stop, let's say, and a guy comes over, he shoves somebody down and he smashes his leg. <coughs> he screams at the guy, he broke his leg. He says, it's okay, I'm a doctor. I like to heal people. So I'm going to heal the guy now. I'm sure going to. That, that's, not, that's not normal. Just because you like to heal people, you don't go around breaking their legs. Because the Kodesh Baruch who wants you, the feels of tzaddikim, he calls them Tsar. How are we supposed to understand that? If we look at the Lashon, it says, Masavu shal not the tzilos and shall regular people. What does it mean? What's a tzaddik? So we know that nobody before a wants to get the Tsara, But yet afterwards, nobody would give it up if they used it properly. Which means he saw in Avram and Tsara, he saw in Yitzchak and Rivka. He saw in Yaakov and in Rachel that there's so much more, the great level they were on, they were tzaddikim taka, but he had so much more to offer Kaddish Baruch because knows if he pushes them, and he pushes them, he can get more out of them. As Esvast Hamas explains, the word nais comes from the word nesayin. You have to stretch out the nace to the and that's how you get the nais. And Kaddish Baruch Hu saw in the tzaddikim, you push them a little, you can get a lot more out of them. Of course, afterwards, when Avram was 100 and Sarah was 90, would you say you would want to have the child earlier and not have this connection to the B'nai Nobody would have said yes. You can imagine this fellow. He's practicing. He wants to run the Olympics. He wants to run the marathon. So he's practicing. He eats a little less chalm. He starts running. First day, he manages to run a half a mile. He runs and runs and runs. After three weeks, he's up to four miles. Another week, he's up to six miles. After three months, he's up to eight miles and he plateaus. He can't get more than 8 miles. He tries and he tries, always 8 miles. One day he goes out running 8 miles. He's about to stop. And all of a sudden he hears a dog barking behind him. He turns around. There's a massive German shepherd running after him. What's he going to do? He's going to take off. He takes off and he starts running and running and running. To his luck, the dog probably looks like he's also training for the marathon. He keeps on chasing him. Another 3 miles, the dog stops The saunters off. This fellow collapses. He ran 11 miles. He collapses, he makes his way home that day, and his wife says, So, how'd it go today? Today I ran 11 miles. 11 miles? You couldn't get more than eight. How'd you run 11 miles? Because I was motivated. I was motivated. Now, if you had ask him that morning, By the way, I have a great idea. You're going to run as much as you can, you'll get exhausted, and then I'm going to send this German shepherd after you who hasn't eaten for two days. Is a great idea? No way. We'll never agree to that. But now that it happened, the next day, he's not going to run eight miles. The next day he's going to be able to do 11 miles. Because he had it in him and he saw that he can do it. And we see this all the time. There are people who go to the army. A guy can meet in the army. He can be there for 15 years. And he comes out out of the army when he's finished. And he manages to get the rank. He's a major. He meets another guy. He's a colonel. How long are you in the army for? Two years. Two years. How did you get a colonel? I'm there 15 years. I'm only a major. The answer is... When the other guy was there, there was a war going on. He's fighting, the platoon commander gets killed, they promote him right away. During wartime, it's very easy to get promoted. But before you go in to the army, would anybody want there to be an act of war? Nobody would want that. But now that it's over, now that they're both at home, of course he's much more satisfied because he raised in rank. And that's what it is with the Kaddish Baruchu. The Kaddish Baruch knows someone has more to offer, the Kaddish Baruchu gives us the opportunity. It's important that we don't end up being a horse. And trying to run away with it instead of building our relationship. In fact, this thing of tefillah has many more aspects to it. As we said before, this is not the first time to get in Davand. The Ramban asked a very interesting question, say for Shemais in, in Pasha Shemais. So the P'su can tell us as follows Peric Gimel. It says during those days of The king of Mitzrayim died. B'nei Yisrael groaned from the Avaidah. when they cried out. the Shavas melekim en Avaidah. And their cry went up to Hashem. Next passage. V'yish melekim es nakasam Hashem heard their cry. V'yish melekim es brisa. And you remember the bris. V'yar helekim es b'nei Yisrael v'yeid helekim. says to what's going on over here? Was Kaisel supposed to go out now? Or were they not supposed to go out now? If they were supposed to go out now, What's all these things of this? Vayishma he hears their cry and he remembers and he sees their pain. What's the problem? They're supposed to go out now, take them out. If they're not supposed to go out now and you're taking them out because you hear they're crying, why does the Apostle say, Vayishma he remember the promise. They're supposed to come out, you take them out. The Rambans is a very frightening thing. He says, You can have somebody who does a crime. He goes to jail for 20 years. While he's in jail, he doesn't behave, he commits other crimes. A person doesn't get out in 20 years. He's going to go in front of a judge. He'll get some more years. He'll be stuck in jail longer. says in Ramban, a very frightening thing. Even though the time finished. They were supposed to go out already. They were supposed to go out before. Problem is, they were not worthy of going out. They did other veyers in Mitzrayim. They covered up the Rasmil, They did other veyers in Mitzrayim. says in Ramban, they were not ready to go out. They were not going to go out. What happened? El Bipnay Tsaoko Hiboth Philosopherachima. Because he cried out to Hashem, Hashem took them out. So they weren't supposed to go out now. Where do you see such a concept? The Midbar. We were supposed to just go through the Midbar, go to Eretz Yisrael We got stuck there for forty years because of the Khait of the Maragwa. So we got stuck in the triumph longer than Ran says. So if that's the case, they can get out with Philo. What took so long? They weren't diving until now. They were diving the whole time. They wanted to get out. It wasn't enjoyable. It says in Ramban, that until now, they were davening. They were davening. We were all davening. But what happened? The Yom Mitzrayim, the king of Mitzrayim died. And they saw that a new king came. And nothing changed. They're still slaves. It finally dawned on them, we're stuck here. We're not going anywhere. We were slaves to the old king. A new king comes. Nothing changes for us. We're still slaves. As soon as they saw that, what does the Apostolic say? V'izaku. They cried, they groaned from it, and now they realize we better daven. And they daven to Hashem and says Ramban, kibel tefilasam berachamov. In other words, until now they were davening, they were just davening. But now they realize that the only way they have to get out is by relying on their tefillah, and that's how they were able to get out. We see a tremendous thing from here. If a person approaches tefillah, just I got to daven, I got to daven. Okay, so you don't get a veer for not davening, but how good is your tefillah? We use each tefillah carefully. We can accomplish a lot more. It's interesting. In the morning we daven. we know the whole part of tefillah is to get closer and closer to Shemone the main part of the tefillah. Why is it that right before Shema and Shemesrei, we start to speak about the malachim? We start talking about the malachim. How beautiful they daven. The of pm. They open up their mouth. B'ketushev, tahara, v'shirah, Zimra, v'varkin, v'shabkin, Faran, Maritz, magdish, malichen. Very nice. What do we have to do with malachim? Just because the Malachim da'ab very nice, let them enjoy themselves. What does that have to do with us? We're about to say Shema and What do you have to do with Malachim? So, very interesting Gemara. It tells us, the Gemara in on on the on the word says that Yaakov and the Malach are having a fight. At the end of the, the, the night, the Malach tells him, Shalchani, send me away. Why? Ki Allah shachar, because the morning came. So Yaakov tells them, Amar Eloi, Ganov If Kyushis Are you a ganov or a kidnapper? Shemesyori a that you're scared of the light? What do you have to leave for? We're in the middle of a fight. Amar malachani, I'm a malach. ad And from my creation until now, it was not my turn to say shirah. As Pham explained, he was created with a tafket. his tafket was to fight Yaakov, You fought Yaakov, now he can go and and say shira. So Yomar says a frightening thing. Yomar says, Chaviva in Yisrael lefnei Kodesh Baruch Hu Yaisu Malachi Yisharis. Klai's is more precious to Hashem than the Malachim. Or why? She yisrael laim shira bechol shah. Yidin can say shira anytime they want. Take a cup of water, make a shahakal, Hashem listens. U Malachi Yisharis ain't on him shira ele pamachas They go and say shira once a day. Others, pamachas b'shabas, only once a week. Others say, Pamachas b'chaydesh, only once a month. Others, Pamachas b'shon, only once a year. Amal can say shiru. Pamachas b'shuah, only once every seven years. Others say, Pamachas A Amal can only say shiru, once every 50 years. Pamachas and Others say, only once in a lifetime. Once in its existence, could it say? says Rashi, and Rashi explains, the Gemara says, that's what it means. Three groups say Shira. One group says Kaddish, the other one says Kaddish, and the other one says Kaddish Shem As Rash explains, Kaddish Shem Yoyim In other words, one group says Kaddish, and that's it. They can never say it again. Another group says Kaddish Kaddish, and they can never say it again. A third group says Kaddish Kaddish Shem Sivakais, and they can never say it again. These malachim are finished. Why do we say this before we say Shema and Shema Can you imagine how different our Shema and Shema Nesri would be if we would realize we only get one opportunity to say Shema and Shema Nesri. We said Shema and Shema yesterday. We said Shema tonight. We said Shema Nesri tonight and Shema. We're going to say Shema Nesri tomorrow. I okay, think we just get it over with. Can you imagine how different it would be if we only got to say Shema once or Shema Nesri once every 10 years? How we would prepare for that Shema What a yant of that day would be We would know what all the words mean before We would know where we're going to daven We're going to get there early We'll have our sitter prepared beforehand We'll know what the words mean Is it so bad that we get to do this every day? Actually, Anshayi Knesset Put into every single tefillah A special tafkid, And if we don't use that tafgit properly, it's gone And that's why we say what the Malachim do Right before we daven Sheman Nesrei To realize it is a one-shot deal and we should dominate approach each field like that. Just because we have more opportunities, doesn't mean we should waste the ones that we have. June 22nd, 1941, the Nazis in initiated Operation Barbarossa. They had a deal with the Russians. We'll divvy up Europe. Russia agreed, Nazis in agreed, and that was fine, everyone was doing their own thing until 1941, when they broke the treaty. The Nazis invaded the Soviet Union through Ukraine, with over 3 million soldiers, plus another 650,000 with allied countries. They were going so fast that the Eisenstadt and Gruppen, the death squads, couldn't keep up. They were six weeks behind, following the Wehrmacht, as they went to each city, putting in place their maniacal plans of killing the Jews. August 25th, 1941, they ended up in a city called Dnepropstvarsk, Originally, there were 90,000 Jews. 60,000 Jews managed to run away before the group and showed up. The 30,000 Jews that were stuck there were there frightened. And October 13th, the order came out that everyone has to go and gather in the central part of the city in the botanical gardens. And they knew what that meant. And sure enough, 15,000 of the Jews gathered in the botanical gardens on October 13th and October 14th they were murdered over there on the way there on the way there there was a group of 20 people walking together and of course the Ukrainian police who were more than happy to assist the Nazis in Mokshomom were herding the people and shepherding them towards the botanical gardens two blocks away was a shoal 20 of the people were walking they see the shoal, they turn to the Ukrainian police he said, please, can we go inside? He said, you want to go inside? What do you want to go inside for? He goes, please, we want a, one last davening. He says, you want to daven to your God? You're going to see him personally in an hour or two. You don't need a daven now. He said, please, let us in. Humor us. They were laughing at them. He said, fine, go inside. They go inside and they davened. They davened Mincha. And after Mincha, they left. They went to Botanical Gardens. And almost everybody there was killed. Obviously, a few people survived, which is how we know the story. Can you imagine that mincha? Dabbing there, knowing what's going to be right after that mincha? Do you think anybody was worried that the chaz is going too fast or too slow? Or the guy behind him doesn't stop blowing his nose? Or the guy in front of him is tapping on the table? Or anything, anybody was schmoozing? They knew this was their last mincha. And they obviously used that mincha well. If we would take every mincha like that. And the truth is, we don't have to come to such a situation to take a mincha. In Eretz Yisrael, the late 1940s, there was a fellow got married and a year later, Baruch had his first child. The doctor comes out of the hospital of the operation room and says Mazel tov, you had a boy. The boy's healthy. Your wife is very, very sick. We have to do surgery on her and I'm not sure she's going to make it. But one thing is for sure. She'll never be able to have children again. The guy here is this. a young man he doesn't doesn't have how to deal with this. He says, okay, wait, wait, don't, don't do it right now. He says, sir, we have to do it within a few hours, otherwise it's going to be too late. He says, don't do it right now. He runs out of the hospital, takes a bus to Tel Aviv. From there, he makes his way to Bnei He runs into the Chaznish's house. The Chaznish, in his later years, towards the end of his life already, he stayed in his house most of the time. And he was standing by the sink, about to wash his hands from Mincha. And the fellow comes running up to the Chaznish, and he blurts out his whole story. The Chaznish was well known, never interrupted anybody, allowed the person to finish his story. The Chaznish looks at him and says, Pekuch nefashis. Pekuch nefashis. The guy looks at the Chaznish and he realizes what a fool he sounded like. He's coming here to ask a question. His wife's about to die. What kind of question was he asking? He lowers his head, he realizes what the Chaznish said, and he turns around to leave. Chaznish says, Younger Mind, you're dabbing Mincha yet? We're dabbing Mincha, dabbing Mincha with us now. Okay, Chaznish says, you have an opportunity to daven with the Chaznish. He stands next to the Chaznish in dabbing Mincha. You can imagine what a Nila that was for him. The thought, the danger his wife is in, he's not going to be able to have a family anymore. And if his wife survives, that will be the best that can happen. He's crying and crying. Mincha is over. He turns to leave. Someone taps him on the shoulder and says, The Chazanish wants to speak to you. He turns back to the Chazanish. And the Chazanish says, Tell me your shayla again. So he explains to the question again. The Chazanish says, Don't do the operation. She'll be fine. Says, Revi said that, that I should do it. Chazanish says, That was before Mincha. After Mincha, I'm telling you, she doesn't need the operation. Kachavi went back. She's not at the operation they had another eight children together. And that was Amaysa. Because that was before Mincha, and this is after Mincha, what do we can do with a Mincha. With one tefillah, what we can do, we can change the world with one Mincha. It doesn't have to be that someone's going to get killed, but just because we have so many of them, doesn't mean we have to throw them out. But we have to realize the value of it, and that's what Kali will did in its Shrine, when they realize that if they don't take care of it, they're going to be stuck there. And that's just why they in like that. With this... This brings us to the fourth question that we asked. We asked, what's the purpose of the name of Kriyas Yamsuf? What was wrong with the ten ma'akas? What was the Kriyas Yamsuf adding that the ten ma'akas didn't have? And we see, interesting, the posse tells us, in next week's parashim, it says, Yisra Yisra heard. So what did Yisra hear? Rashi says, What did Yisra hear that he came? So Rashi says, "Kriyas Yomsof Muhammad Here, Kriyas Yamsuf and Muhammad amalek. He amalek, and all this farm ask, "What about the makus?" He didn't hear the makus. So Chassam Sefer explains, he heard the makus, and he realized the makus, Hashem differentiated between the yidn and the gayim. but he saw something different by Kriyas Yomsof he didn't see by the makus, and that was the differentiation between each person. Each person was dealt as an individual. As we see, some people died kakash, some people died ke'evan, and some like kaiferis. The, the, the tzaddikim, so to speak, of the mitriim, they drowned like lead, they went straight down. They drowned. The benanim, they drowned like stone, a little more pain. And the real rishon, they drowned like straw, they were bopping up and down. And that's what Yisrael saw. But if you look at the Ramban, you can perhaps add another layer to what we were saying till now, with this concept of tefillah and understanding Khajbaraku. The Rabban explains, Then the Parsha's boy, what a nace is. He says, A nace is teva, that happens all the time. We had sunrise this morning. Well mustam have sunrise tomorrow morning. Is that a miracle? It's a miracle. It happens every day. That's what we call it nature. Can you imagine you go somewhere to a place and you see a chicken lays apples? And the same place, eggs grow on trees. We'd be mesmerized. Everybody would go there to look and to watch. Wow, chicken laying an apple. Eggs growing on trees. Hi, we see all the time chickens lay eggs and apples grow on trees. We see it all the time, so that's nature. If we read all the way around, it will be a miracle. It says Nurmban, no. Nature and miracle are the same thing. It just depends how often it happens. Why does a Kaj do an ace? Kaj does an ace to show his love for somebody. And therefore, Kaj will do an ace. And therefore, while everyone is familiar with the fact of Prius Yamsov that the Eden were scared to go in, they didn't know what to do, Nachshav and Aminadov jumps inside and the Yamsov splits. That's what everyone learns and that's Taqa the Gemara insight the Alam and that's what the Gemara tells us. But that's the opinion of Rav Yehuda. Rav Meir says something different. The Gemara in the bottom of Alam says, When B'nei Yisrael was standing by the Yamsuf, The shvatim were arguing with each other. What were they arguing about? Not like Rabbi Yehuda says, each one didn't want to go in, but rather, This one says, I want to jump in first. Each Shevet said, I want to go in first. I want to go in first. So what happened? Shevet B'nyamin jumped inside, and they jumped inside first. Shevet Yehuda didn't like that. Why? Share Yehuda, the officers of Shevet Yehuda, they started stoning them. They started throwing stones at Shevet bin Yaman, so Shevet bin Yaman should have to come back. Because of this, Lefichal says Zach bin Yamin at Sadik, Shpuzas Because of what he did, Hashem rewarded him that he should be the host of Kadesh Baruchu in the Beisim Igdash, ubayn Kisafaf of Shachain. And between his shoulders, Hashem rests, and that is, while the Beis Amidish itself is mostly in Shevet Yehuda's portion, the Mizbeach itself is cut out, so to speak, as in Shevet its portion for what he did. What, what was this argument they were having? So Taisus says a very interesting story. Taisus brings down that a marshal of two people, there was a, a, a person, and he had, there was a, uh, he had two sons. He tells one son, he tells his older son, wake me up three hours into the day after sunrise. He tells his younger son, Wake me up at sunrise. Okay. Come sunrise, the younger son goes to wake up his father. The older son sees his son going to wake up his father. He says, where are you going? Going to wake up my father. He says, what do you mean? He told me three hours after sunrise. Well, he told me he told me at sunrise. They start arguing back and forth. They argued so loud, the father wakes up. The father wakes up. Here's the arguing. And the older son looks. His father woke up. He starts to apologize. And the father says, no, it's fine. You're both arguing for my COVID. He rewarded both of them. So Seyfim Amari Sada explains what this argument was going on over here. Shevet Yehuda and Shevet are arguing as follows. They were standing by, Yams, by the Yom A strong easterly wind was blowing. It was blowing so strong that they realized it's a matter of time that the Yam is going to split. So we learned science. We know if you have a certain amount of PSI or pounds uh, square inch, eventually it's going to push things away. So and Yaman said a big Kiddush Hashem would be pure nace. Jump inside, it's going to split, it's going to be a big nace. Shev Yehuda said, what are you talking about? A bigger nace is, let there be nature, and through nature we're going to see the Yad Hashem. And that was the argument back and forth. And then Shev Binyamin said, jumped inside, and therefore Shev Yehuda stopped them, and Hashem said, I'm going to reward both of you. What was the reward? The reward for Binyamin was, you like that the world should run with nace, I'm going to give you the base the Mikdash, you're going to get the Mizbeach. As the Gemara, as the mission in Ovis tells us, the Mizbeach had Nisim all the time. Every day there were Nisim going on over there. What did Yehuda get? Shev Yehuda got kingdom. He got the Malchus. And we know, Lev Malachim bi'at Hashem. Hashem controls the world through Malachim. The Malachim, they get up three hours into the day. And therefore, the world runs with nature, but through, Hashem's, through Hashem. And therefore... What we're supposed to learn from Kris Yamsov is that the world's supposed to run by nature, but we should choose. We should choose to serve Hashem and to believe in the Yad Hashem. If there would have been an open ace, like all the markers were an open ace, no way to explain them. Then you can say it's an open ace; I have no choice. But when there's an ace and there's nature, comes we see over here by Chrys Yamsuf, that it can happen. You can explain it away through nature. There's an easterly wind blowing the whole night, and eventually it pushed away the water. And yet we see, yet we see the Yad Hashem, which brings us to the last question, and that is why did Hashem have to go and make Christian stuff like this? In a way, though it's so important, we have to remember it forever. All the the why did Hashem make every every thousand years make an ace, every five hundred years make an ace? So there's a well known story of Sol Salantha. Yisrael Salantha once traveling, and he comes to a hotel, and he's in the hotel. And after afternoon, he goes over to the innkeeper and he says, Do me a favor, could you tell me how to get the shul? So the innkeeper decide, starts to explain to him how to get the shul for Mincha. It was a little complicated. So Yisrael Salantha said, You know what? When you go to Mincha, tell me, I'll go with you. So the guy says, Rebbe, I'm sorry, I'm not going to Shul. So you're not going to Shul? Why aren't you going to Shul? I don't have a Mincha. What about Mar? I don't da- I don't daven anymore. I don't keep Shabbos. I'm done with the whole thing. Well, what does that mean? He says, I'll tell you why. He says, a few weeks ago, a fellow came by to the hotel. He comes inside. He orders some meat. I said, I'm sorry. I don't have any meat. I have to wait till the sheikh comes. He only comes once every two weeks. I'm out of meat right now. He says, you got cows in your backyard. He says, yeah, but I don't have a sheikh. It. Just go kill the cow and give me some meat. It's not kosher. He said, please, You still believe in that stuff? He goes, what does that mean? He said, please, God is an old man. He doesn't care anymore. Just go kill the cow and give me a piece of meat. I looked at him like he was nuts. The guy says, I'll tell you what. You give me the piece of meat, I'll eat it. If I live, I'll pay for the meat. If I die, you can have all my money. I was so angry at him to speak like that. I went, I killed the cow, and I gave him a steak from the cow. I stood on the side because I don't want to get hurt when he gets killed. He ate the steak. He drank his cup of wine, and nothing happened to him. Rebbe, I realize he was right. Hashem fell asleep. He's not busy with us anymore. So I'm done with all this. So Salanti hears this. What's he supposed to answer the guy? He went to shoal. The next day, they're in the hotel. There's a little commotion. What happened? His daughter, the hotel keeper's daughter and wife come inside. And everyone goes over to speak to them. And he finds out that she just won an award for being in, in, uh, the, the best pianist in the town. So Solisante calls her over and says, "I heard you you won an award. You're such a good piano player." She goes, "Yeah." He says, "Let me see." She goes, "What do you mean? Let me see you play. I'm not so sure that you know how to play." She starts crying and she runs away. She runs to her father. Father hears what goes on, what's going on. He goes over to his whole says, "Why, why are you bothering my daughter like that?" He says, "What's the problem?" She comes inside saying, "She won this award. She's such a good piano player. I wanted to hear." So, so, so the person tells So Solan goes, Didn't you see her certificate? I didn't saw the certificate, but I want to hear her play. He says, Rebbe she's supposed to play for every person who asked her to play? She has a certificate, that's enough. So Yisall so says, Ah, if only ears would hear what your mouth is saying. Akare's Baruch Hu did Nisa nice for us. He showed us who he is. He gave us the Torah as the document to prove it. Can you imagine every time someone says jump, Hashem has to respond, how high? Every time Hashem wants an ace, Hashem has to come do an ace. No such thing. And that's why Hashem did one ace for us, but He teased with trying multiple nissim, and that's what we remember Zechel, the with trying with everything. Okay, but it still begs the question, okay, so not, you know, very often. At least once every 500 years, once a hundred years, somewhere we should know somebody, once knew somebody who saw the ace. only one? So many years ago, over 3,000 years ago? so it's interesting it wouldn't help the Svarim tell us even if we would have a nice right, right now the Posse tells us it's very interesting as soon as the Yidden left the Posse tells us the The ma'zai said, what is this that we did? we let the Jews go let's go chase after them so the Svarim asks what is this that we did? you didn't do anything you didn't let them go you got beat over your head by 10 machas. the Territ says they forgot already that was a few days ago you can see a big nace, it's so easy to forget. It's so easy to forget. It says by Elioh Bahar Karmel. Elioh, there was the Nisim of the Avaydazar of the Baal. And finally, Elioh has enough. And he says, You can't go and dance by two chanses. You've got to make a decision. You're going to follow Hashem, you're going to follow the Baal. Let's have a test. They took a Mizbeach, the Neviyeh HaBaal built a Mizbeach, and Eliohun built a Mizbeach. And the Neviyeh HaBaal said, Which one is going to bring down the fire from Shemayim? And then the viahabal started to daven, and there were thousands of them, and they're davening to the baal, so fire should come down, and nothing happened. And Elio starts making fun of them, maybe Shem's sleeping, maybe you have to scream louder, maybe He doesn't hear you so well. And they're crying for hours and hours, and nothing happened. So they turn to Elioh, and said, okay, let's see what you can do. Elioh went, he took his mezbah, and he flooded it with water, poured in so much water, the whole pit became full of water, so nobody should say there are any tricks. He downed to Hashem and a fire came down on his mezbeach and burnt his carbon. Right away, as soon as it happened, the people bowed down. They realized that there is only Hashem and that the Baal is a fake. It's a zara. And Elio told him to turn on the Nevi They turned and they killed all the Nevi At that time, the king Achav was so shook by this, he wanted to do tshuva. And he told his wife, Izeval, what happened? We have to do tshuva. Izeval was so angry by this. She sends a message to Eliyahu Anavi and says, "Because of what you did, le'mocher tomorrow I'm going to kill you." And Eliyahu the Navi was so frightened he ran away. So the Svarim asked, "What's le'mocher? I'm going to kill you? Why did she kill him today? She has the souls. Go kill him today." So Yaakov Weinberg from Baltimore explained, "She says today, today everyone's mesmerized by you. You brought down such a big miracle today. Today no one's going to touch you. Tomorrow." Tomorrow, yesterday's news. Tomorrow, your miracle is forgotten about, and that whole effect of the miracle is gone. You can experience a miracle today, and tomorrow it's already gone. Revolver once said that when he was a child, he was in Yerushalayim, He was going to visit his friend's house. He was running to visit his friend's house when all of a sudden there was a blackout. Every single light went off. It was pitch black. He was so scared he kept on running, and after a few seconds he stopped. He says what happens if I trip? I better stop, I don't see where I'm going and he stopped he starts to walk very slowly the next step he was standing by the precipice of a deep stairwell and he realized if he would have gone one more step running he would have fallen down all those steps and he would have killed himself he was so shook up by this open miracle this open nice. you can imagine his diving the next morning it was it diving? like he never diving before the next day again he diving like he never dived before the day after that, he davened like he always davened before. And, and that's it. And he got depressed. See, so he also he went to the chaznish. He says, What's going on? I experienced an ace. I thought my life was different now. And I see now it's back to regular. So the Chazanish looks at him and says, What do you think? You think you have an ace and that's it? Now, now you're done? There's a special Eid Sahara that Hashem created that goes and attaches itself to people who experienced an ace. And to make sure to, that, that Yitzhah downplays that ace in the person's mind. Because if not, you wouldn't have any Bekhira anymore. And therefore, you experienced an ace, it was beautiful, but now you got the sahara to take that away, to balance that out. When you experience an ace, you have a very, very short period of time to grab something concrete with it. Once it's gone, it's gone. And therefore, it wouldn't help if a Karaj B'ahu came to us every generation and shows an open miracle, it would last for a very short period of time. Because if not, we wouldn't have any Bekhira. And therefore, the Ramban says, we remember the nation with Jesus and all the mitzvahs that we do, and that is the purpose of that. But what do we gain from all this? We gain from all this to understand that our relationship with the Kaddish Baruch Hu is not as some wicked despot, one wicked king, ruling over us, trying to control us and make life miserable for us. Our relationship with the Kaddish Baruch Hu is as a loving parent to a child who only wants what's best for the child. And the more we create that relationship with the Kaddish Baruch Hu, the more we feel that love of the Kaddish Baruch Hu. Because the Kaddish Baruch Hu only does things for us in a loving way. There was a family in Montreal a few years ago. For whatever reason, they wanted to redo their house. So they redid the house, and then the lady of the house decided she needs a particular chandelier for her house. It was so particular that she couldn't find it. And she was looking and looking all over for the chandelier, and she couldn't find it. <coughs> Months and months and months, making her husband crazy, making everyone crazy. Until the day came, she found a beautiful chandelier. Of course, it had to be hung by a special person a special way. They call on somebody, he comes, he hangs a chandelier. She's happy, she has a beautiful chandelier. He's happy, life is back to normal, and life goes on. A few weeks later, it's the middle of the winter, this lady's out shopping with her kids. She finishes shopping, she comes inside, and she puts down uh, the baby, and she goes starts cooking supper she's in the kitchen for about 20 minutes and all of a sudden she hears a loud smashing sound coming from the dining room she runs into the dining room and there's a beautiful gorgeous chandelier smashed down onto the table and at that moment it didn't bother her at all she wasn't thinking about that at all because she realized that she left the baby in the car seat on the table and that chandelier came smashing down on the car seat with the baby inside she gives out a yell and a scream she runs over there trying to take it off it's so heavy, her daughter hears this she comes running in and they're trying to take the chandelier off another kid went to call an ambulance and they finally get the chandelier off and sure enough there's a baby in a bunting it's so cold in Montreal they have these snowsuits that you cover the baby completely and she didn't even she put the baby down, she forgot she didn't even open it up she unzivers the baby. As soon as she unzivers the baby, the baby starts crying. She picks the baby up. The baby didn't even have a scratch. Two weeks later, they made a suit of in the house. Without a chandelier. And there are different were there. One of the abundance they dive in a shul called Maragaila. The rub of the shul is the Sculenarev as his son. He's the rub there. And he got up to speak. And he said, This is an interesting. Look at the chesed of Ravine Shlaimo. For whatever reason, this family was meant to lose a lot of money through this incident. For whatever reason, who well, was the chesed? But could you imagine, for the rest of their lives, that all they would talk about when they speak about that day, or speak about what happened to the chandelier, all they would talk about is, look how much money we lost, look how much time and effort we put into this, and now it's all gone. And instead, they'll never mention that. The only thing they'll mention when the chandelier fell is the chesed that Kadesh did for them, that their daughter was perfectly okay. See, so look at the chesed that Kadesh does. For whatever reason, something has to happen to somebody, Kadesh Baruch Hu, who's a loving parent, does it in a way that, that, is, that is fine for us, that is good for us, and that is loving for us. And that's because our purpose is to create that close relationship to Hashem. Have a good Shabbos.